First, there was the spoken word. People communicated face-to-face. Then came the written word. People wrote things called letters in order to communicate long distances. Then came electricity, and that ushered in the telegraph. Then the telephone. That was all pretty radical until the internet and cell phone technology came along. Suddenly, you could talk and text from anywhere. But why stop there? Why text with just one app when you can do it with 40? Let's face it, today's kids have myriad ways to communicate. But what happens when the communication tool becomes something more? What happens when the core of one's social standing, one's acceptance, what one needs to be seen, heard, and relevant all falls on that one tool? Anything that occupies a person's thoughts, time, talent, treasure, and energy can easily become their idol. And God doesn't compete with idols, nor can he bless a life that, for all intents and purposes, puts a greater value on the created than the creator. Have our kids become the social animals the one true God never intended them to be? Unpacking Instagram, a tool for good or a weapon for evil? That's next on License to Parent. Well, hello and welcome once again to License to Parent. This is the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long residential program for teens in crisis located just north of Atlanta. Our host is the founder and director of Shepherds Hill, Trace Embry. I'm Rich Rosel, and Trace, though a lot of parents spend a lot of time on Instagram themselves, many others mistakenly think that Facebook is probably still their child's go-to social media site, but I think we've found that's not (laughs) true anymore, is it? That's right, Rich. You know, not too many teens want to be on the same social media outlet that their parents are on every day. Uh, In fact, Facebook is actually more popular with moms and grandmoms today uh, than it it is with our kids. Uh, Kids have myriad social media sites to choose from these days, and Facebook just uh, isn't the number one uh, on the list anymore. Uh, but Instagram is, and uh, today's guest has put together a documentary film uh, that'll give parents a glimpse into the world of teenagers on Instagram. And, uh, you know, things can get pretty ugly and even frightening, actually, uh, on social media, particularly Instagram. As you know, Rich, I actually do have a social media account. I, I think it's Facebook. Uh, I've, I've never been on it myself, but like Twitter, one of our staffers will occasionally post a comment I've made about raising kids. Uh, but I personally wouldn't know how to put anything on, on either of those venues. And that's probably a good thing, especially if I've had coffee. Well, there are a lot of things that we don't let you do when you've that's had right, coffee. Right. Or my um, me- didn't take my medicine either. Well, let, let me mention this documentary that you just referred to. It's called Social Animals, and it's the work of film director Jonathan Green. He is a graduate of the American Film Institute. His short films have screened at various international festivals, including New York Underground, Barcelona, Cyprus, and Cannes. Uh, his recent short documentary, The Birth of the Camera Phone, premiered on the National Geographic Short Film Showcase and was selected as a Vimeo staff pick. Uh, Green also received a Webby Award for his two interactive short films journaling the struggle of children victimized by the African AIDS pandemic. Jonathan Green currently lives in Pasadena, California, where he directs spots and branded content at Conscious Minds. That is a content agency that he co-owns. And Jonathan... Thanks for being a licensed parent. Welcome to the broadcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Jonathan, what prompted you to do a movie strictly about Instagram, and why not about other social media venues? Well, we in our agency, we're, we've done a lot of um, branded content um, on Instagram. And, and back in the day when Instagram started, 
you couldn't just be an advertiser or brand and put your ad within Instagram. They were trying to build their audience before they monetized it with advertising. And so the way that brands kind of hacked that, because wherever the, wherever the eyeballs are, especially for younger demographic, brands are going to want to go. And so one of the ways that they hacked that limitation is um, they engaged with popular Instagram um, accounts, um, which kind of began what we now know as this kind of influencer craze. It's when, when a lot of that was coming about. And our agency, working with uh, brands like Nike and Uber and Red Bull and, and a lot of brands that are, that are reaching out to younger people, had asked us to come up with some strategies and things to help them with that. And so in the process, we got to know a lot of these influencers on Instagram, and it kind of became the platform that we were the most familiar with. Mm-hmm. And then it obviously, it really took off and became the dominant um, social media platform for the younger um, demographic. And even as it started to embrace uh, features that Snapchat um, kind of pioneered with now Instagram stories, it, it kind of has taken over. It's over a billion users worldwide. And so it seemed like the platform for us to focus on both because of our own familiarity, but also because of the adoption of it. And obviously, like you said earlier, not just for teenagers, um, but for adults as well. Sure. The content of the film is... Uh, kind of an expose, I guess, on Instagram. And I was wondering, what do you hope to accomplish uh, with this film in that respect? Yeah, I mean, I think when we started, we we actually started making a very different documentary. And it was kind of portraits of a lot of these influencers. And they were of all ages. And they were in multiple countries. It was very global. And we started making that movie. And we got a lot of that footage back in the editing room. And it just wasn't enough storytelling. And we kind of regrouped and said, well, what are we really interested in? What, um, what's something that an audience would be interested in? And so we, we decided to look more at how Instagram is both, not just how it's being created in terms of the big accounts that people follow that are very popular, but look at how it's being consumed as well. And then when you look at, we interviewed in the process, um, this man, Philippe Kahn up in Santa Cruz, who's credited with having invented the modern camera phone in 1997. And so like, what if we made a documentary that was about people that had only been born since 1997 and only known a world where the rapid taking of pictures and sharing them was just part of your regular social vocabulary. Mm -hmm. And certainly a lot of articles have been written in books, but to do a film that was kind of in the words and in the experience of teenagers that this was just their normal. This wasn't something that got introduced to them when they were a senior in high school. This is something they grew up you know, in grade school with mm-hmm. a lot of them and how has that shaped them? Mm-hmm. And so I think our goal with the film is less about that. You should think a certain way about social media, but rather showing both some positive aspects of, of social media and what it allows people that are digitally connected to accomplish very quickly and how it can create community in ways that um, didn't exist before because you might be isolated geographically or otherwise. Um, but then also show some of the darkness and some of the more difficult things and challenges. You know, technology is being innovated so quickly, and the adoption of it, as we know, is just immediate. Like a new iOS software update happens, everybody downloads it on their phone, and the next while they're sleeping, and the next morning they have a bunch of features that they didn't know about mm-hmm. uh, that, that now, within a few weeks, become like regular part of their life. And I think... Sometimes it's hard as parents, I'm a parent myself, um, to keep up with all that's going on, whether it be video games, whether it be social media or just 
other apps. Um, and so what we want to do is just hopefully have created a film that is entertaining and interesting that both a parent and a teenager could watch together. It's not a film for parents to educate them about teens, and it's not a film for teens that parents wouldn't be interested in. We want people to sit down together and hopefully have conversations that they might not be having because this film kind of provokes new ideas and new experiences that they weren't familiar with. One, one thing that I thought was really interesting in, in your film was seeing the wisdom that some of these young Instagram stars actually have about their own circumstances. I know there was one young lady who was saying, Yep, going for the, what was it, the 500,000 followers or whatever. So she's got uh-huh. a half a million people following her. But I believe she was the same one who later was saying, what do you know about me? You don't even, you know, all you see of me is this social media thing. You don't even know me in real life. So why does what I'm doing make a difference to you? Um, and she was kind yeah. of recognizing the fallacy of the social media wave that, that so many people are on right now. Yep. I wrote a recent op-ed article about this very thing where I think what's happened as we start to have a digital self, so to speak, where we, we post pictures and we have captions and people can comment and like, and, and then we start to see the analytics, which is very like marketing lingo, right? Mm-hmm. Like we look at all the analytics, we look at the numbers of how my photo is doing and, and it basically self-associate how I'm doing. So what I think has happened as a result is that we've kind of unwittingly embraced culturally the the vocabulary of marketing to talk about ourselves. We've almost become every person in as much as they're in a way kind of marketing themselves on these platforms. They're kind of showing the best parts of their life. And, um, and so I think there's a, this disassociation where we're like, there's some fallacy in it, like you said. How is Instagram most used as a weapon for bullying? What takes place that parents should be up on there? Well, I think it's not that different in terms of any digital communication, whether it be texting. Uh, A lot of bullying happens on Twitter. I believe Twitter Mm -hmm. is actually the place where it happens the most. Any place that has a live direct message and or also public message um, type exchange is going to be, you know, a tool for people to be cruel to each other. I think the bigger idea, and this is like, one of the ideas that's more implicit in the film, but I hope people take away, is that there's something that happens when you can say something to somebody else and not get an immediate response. And the character Emma um, in our film talks about this. She says, they said things to me that they would never say to my face, mm-hmm. but I believe because they were saying it through a screen, they just did. And yeah. I think it goes to like this core idea of empathy and being like face-to-face communication. When you say something cruel to somebody face-to-face, you get to see what it does in real time to to them emotionally. And then you have to process the effect that you just had on them. And when you're behind this kind of veil of electronic communication, you can lob a bunch of things over the fence and you can't see through the fence. And and you can be way more cruel than you would face-to-face. And I think that's what is happening a lot, not just on an Instagram. And I don't think there's anything particular about Instagram that makes it more prone to bullying than anything else. I think it's just digital communication. I need to jump in real quick because we need to take a break on behalf of our stations. We're talking with Jonathan Green. He is the filmmaker uh, behind the documentary film called Social Animals. You can find out more about that by going to socialanimalsfilm.com. 
And this is Licensed to Pair. We'll be back with more conversation with Jonathan Green about Instagram, the dangers and challenges that it presents to our kids and to us as parents as we try to help our kids navigate through the digital waters. We'll be back with more conversation in just a moment. The world of digital technology is always changing, and it's changing you if you're comfortable with technology or not. Your kids may take technology almost completely for granted and rarely notice its effects. On the other hand, you may adapt to technology more slowly, but are affected by the digital invasion just as much as your kids. In the book, The Digital Invasion, How Technology is Shaping You and Your Relationships, authors Dr. Archibald Hart and Sylvia Hart-Fried uncover the ways digital technology is changing us from within, physically, mentally, and especially spiritually, and offers therapeutic and biblical strategies to become good stewards of our digital lives. The Digital Invasion also includes 10 pages featuring Trace Embry of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Find The Digital Invasion in the store at LicensedToParent.org. Proceeds support the Shepherd's Hill Academy Student Scholarship Fund. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherd's Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and licensed to parents to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. You're listening to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. And again, you can hear past programs, check out our blog, and find out more about our parent ministry, Shepherd's Hill Academy, when you visit us online at licensedtoparent.org. Our guest today on the program is Jonathan Green. He is a film producer and is the man responsible for the documentary Social Animals. Talking about Instagram, its compelling attraction, and the dangers that go with it. And uh, Trace, I know that you've dealt with this a lot with the kids who come here to to Shepherd's Hill, but Instagram is a new way people are connecting, isn't it? Absolutely is. And Jonathan, I wanted to ask you, uh, generally speaking, is it safe for kids to use Instagram to uh, precipitate relationships? And in light of the fact that our first responsibility to our kids is to protect them, Do you feel like the risk is worth the reward, allowing our kids to have an Instagram account in the first place? Yeah, I mean, it's a complicated thing to to disentangle, isn't it? I mean, the thing about Instagram is obviously it's focused so much on photos. But if you're looking at just the communication side, then direct messaging and Instagram is not much different than texting. So we could say, is it good for our kids to be like getting to know each other and maintaining relationships through texting? And certainly a lot of people have talked about the pros and cons to that. 
I do think that because it's a visual medium and because photos are such a part of it, there's a, a couple temptations that are that are really complicated, and I think they they can have some negative effects. And one of which is we start to almost associate to the other person based on these images that they're sharing um, more than we are them themselves, like the real self. Um, and as we kind of compartmentalize and and almost disembody ourselves and them, then we can really fragment um, kind of the whole self in a way that I think is not good. Um, and then the other thing is that there's, again, because you're kind of behind this veil of not being in person, to overshare, to share things that you wouldn't share in person right. in the development of a relationship. Like we have many moments in our film where guys are asking girls to send them nude pictures. I was say, like your naked message. body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and certainly that's a danger to to keep an eye on. I think... To me, it's less about is the cost worth the reward of Instagram because I think it's probably more about instilling certain virtues and certain principles in them that would carry across all their different experiences and less about, oh, this one tool is the problem. I think like their emotional health, their their understanding of themselves, their the things that they need and, and how the how it's been modeled for them to communicate and be in relationship is probably more the problem and the challenge. And if you want to open the, the can of worms, so to speak, for your kid to be on social media, they're going to have those problems there too. And if you don't, you know, they're going to, there's going to be problems outside of social media. Yeah, but even the government says you can't make uh, decisions as a, as a kid to drive by virtue of your age. The fact that your frontal lobe isn't fully developed. And Instagram, like all of digital technology, uh, or most of it anyway, uh, is so new to the game field that uh, kind of like uh, seat belts and airbags and headlights and turn signals uh, that developed long after the automobile was first developed to save lives, we don't still realize, uh, have yet to fully realize all the things that are affecting our kids on a psychological, spiritual, and even physical level. And I just got to wonder if maybe we haven't jumped the gun too quick on this and Silicon Valley uh, is not taking advantage because they don't send their kids to schools that, that have uh, digital technology in the classrooms. Everything's done with paper and ink at Waldorf schools. Uh, they know the dangers involved in digital technology and they don't want it happening to their kids, but yet, you know, they'll promote it and market it to uh, our kids and make sure it gets in every school to where uh, the addictive nature of it has uh, kind of taken over and um, it becomes the other parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, even Steve Jobs reportedly didn't have his kids use iPads, which is just like bonkers, right? As we think about the most important innovator of of the digital era. Mm -hmm. But I do think you're right in saying that the innovation curve is ahead of the how do we deal with this curve, right? Because it takes longer to think critically and thoughtfully and meaningfully about ethics, about morality, about um, mental health, about childhood development. It takes longer for the kind of, not just academics, but for parents. And it takes longer for us to catch up to how quickly that innovation curve is happening. And so I do think we're, we're kind of on this treadmill and we're just trying to catch up and it can be daunting. And at, at first, like, that was definitely my response with my kids. It's like, we're just going to 
introduce the stuff very slowly and some of it not at all, you mm-hmm. know? And that's my prerogative as a parent, you know? Yeah, right. Real quickly, though, Trace was asking about these relationships that might develop over social media or be nurtured over social media. I know in your film uh, you dealt with an issue where one of the girls featured in the film was actually, was it stalked by an adult can you tell us a little bit about yeah. what happened there? And see, that's that's the reason I think that we push so hard for parents being as aware as possible of what their kids are doing and who they're doing it with uh, online mm-hmm. at, at all. Tell us that story. Well, Kaylin, um, Kaylin Slevin, she was 14 and 15 when we filmed with her, so very young, but had already... She'd already been in a lot of TV commercials. She'd been a child actor. Um, she'd been huge in the dance community. And she kind of positioned herself really just because the audience that she grew, I don't necessarily think it was strategic, but almost like this young, um, aspirational, beautiful, like kind of California girl. And she was kind of basically using her Instagram to model and to like promote her brand, so to speak. And so with, she, I mean, in the film, she kind of gets to the point where she has a half a million followers on Instagram, which if you're 15 years old and you have a half a million followers on Instagram, then you have a big audience of people. You're going to get a lot of different kinds of people that are looking at your account for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a, it's almost a hazard that any celebrity goes through, but, but this young person is going through it because of that large audience mm-hmm. where she, there was a, a man that reached out to her, um, to her through comments on Instagram and was clearly very obsessed and made not threats to her, but almost threats to himself that he so wanted to meet her. He was actually very upset that she had a boyfriend. So he would, somebody who's mentally, ill and, and troubled, um, who basically obsessed over this 15-year-old girl. But I think while that's a very atypical case because her following so big, I think the more typical thing is that you do have young women who are on Instagram and they want to look cute, they want to look sexy, they want to post that picture in their bikini. And you do get, you know, you get men that are just trolling through Instagram seeing whatever and that might get fixated. And it can become, you know, sexual images have a lot of power. And I think Sometimes a young woman, most times probably, a young woman's sexuality and the power of it is up ahead of her ability and maturity to know how to deal with it. And so there's kind of that that youthful period where they're doing things that don't really know the power of what they're doing, and it's affecting a lot of different people, and those people might have really you know, bad intentions or be obsessed no, or have no, different No doubt. I, I think you're making my, my point on this side of the equation. But I, I tell our kids here at, the, at Shepherd's Hill, I'd rather be lonely and innocent than popular and sorry. You know, but many kids, you know, seem to think that the consequences of being popular on Instagram is actually worth it. Am I just a prude or, or you know, in light of Jesus saying it'd be better to have a millstone hung around your neck and, and thrown in the depths of the sea than to cause one, do anything to cause one of these little, little ones to stumble. I'm just wondering, do we have some responsibility on, on our part as parents to say, yeah, it's not culturally acceptable, it's, it's not uh, politically correct, it's uh, not going to be popular, but Junior, this is something that we're going to uh, wait until um, way down the road before we explore as opposed to giving it to you when you're 12 years old. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree. I mean, to me... The film is less to convince people of one particular avenue. It's to get them to actually consider the avenues at all and be sure. thoughtful about it. Yeah, and I, I appreciate think that. The kind of complete abstinence from social media until a much later date is just as valid of a parenting thing as, as not. You know, mm-hmm. that's, it's up to parents, and that's their prerogative, to If they think that's the way to, 
to keep their kids from things that might be more harmful than helpful. Obviously, like culturally, the majority is not going to take that view. I, I have an, un- I mean, my, my son is about turned 15 and he doesn't even have a smartphone. Definitely Good. doesn't have any social media accounts. <laughs> You're smart. And he's 15 years old. And that's countercultural. And my relationship with my son's really good, and we've talked about the kind of why. But he's going to turn 15, now he's really wanting a smartphone. And my wife and I are just talking about it and whatever. But I don't know that I'm in a position to say, like, everybody should do what I'm doing. I'm just trying to navigate it to the best of my conscience and with my kids and knowing what our values are and what I want for them and where I think there's some hazards are. Yeah. And he'll probably have a smartphone within the next six months, but it'll be, you know, with a lot of teaching moments and a lot of like guidance and, and then also some autonomy because I trust him because I think he's growing into the young man that can make really good decisions. And every parent's just got to make some of those guidance uh, milestones for their kids. And it's, it's certainly not easy. And sometimes you're going to be the unpopular countercultural one and that's what you got to do. And then sometimes you're going to teach within kind of the cultural um, uh, practice, I guess. I do have one more question. I know we're kind of running uh, behind the eight ball here with time, but at the end of your movie, uh, the mother of a suicidal daughter claims she was doing worse than her daughter was actually doing. Um, is there a case to be made that social media should be off the table for minors by virtue of, the, of, of what it can do for the emotional, psychological, and physical health uh, of parents trying to keep up with it all. I mean, it's really hard for parents to keep up with all these, these new apps and innovations that are coming down the pike. And even airlines say, hey, parents, put on your mask before you put on Junior's mask because you can't, yeah. you know what I mean? So is, is there a point to be made there? Yeah, I mean, the comment that Tamara, Emma's mom, made about that she's kind of not doing as well as Emma's doing is after Emma had come out of depression camp after the suicide attempt. And I think it was literally the PTSD of seeing your your child go through that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of parents of kids that have had traumas like that, you know, have expressed similar things. To the mm-hmm. other point you're making about just like the taxing side for a parent to keep up with these things and some of the anxiety that can come with that. Yeah, it's certainly a challenge. Um, I'm, I'm sure you could make the case. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of cases and maybe people that have written books about like our whole family's off social media and this is why it's much better. Well, you know? remember our parents, I'm a baby boomer, only dad worked. Mom was at home and we didn't have any of these other avenues to explore. And so it seems like we're, we just keep inviting more and more liabilities into the equation uh, parenting-wise with without the safety precautions or some balance in the equation. And so, you know, maybe my pendulum swings too far to the right, but uh, I think we need to throw some balance in, into it and get parents to yeah. see things as they are. And I, I might be a little cynical because of, you know, what I do for a living. I, I, we we yeah, answer about yeah, five totally. to 600 phone calls a, a month for parents that we, we just can't help because residential care is quite expensive. And we're one of, you know, a thousand places across the country. And boy, mm-hmm. it, it, just, it just seems... Uh, a bit tragic that uh, our kids have got to yeah. grow up in this situation yeah. when I don't think it has to be that way. Right. We've been talking today with film director Jonathan Green about his documentary, Social Animals. You can find out more about it, and you can also see the trailer, if you'd like, by going to the website, socialanimalsfilm.com. Jonathan Green, thank you so much for spending some time with us today on Licensed to Parent. We really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. 
And you'll find us online at LicensedToParent.org. There you can hear past conversations about a variety of topics vital to intentional parenting. You can discover our blog and learn more about the work we do at Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long residential program for teens in crisis located just north of Atlanta, Georgia. While you're there, would you consider becoming one of our ministry partners? Your financial support in any amount helps further the work that we do with troubled teens and helps the outreach of licensed to parent to moms and dads working hard to keep their kids from becoming troubled teens. Your donations are tax deductible when you click on the donate button at the top of the page. And again, that website, licensedtoparent.org. Our guest coordinator on the program is Daniel Fasina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosel. Thanks for listening, and please plan to be with us again next time to renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time. <laughs>